Hi, fellow Muppet fans. We're glad you're here. Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today, our guest from last week is back. We're very happy to have her with us again. Guest, who are you? Brule the Minstrel. No, it's... Brule! <laughs> Welcome back. It's, uh, it's, it's Becca Petunia from ToughPigs.com. Yes, thank you for joining us once again. And today, Becca is with us to talk about minutes 57 and 58. Yes, that's correct. Of the Muppet right. Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. in which we meet Bob Cratchit's family. And Bob and Tiny Tim do some scatting on their way home. Yeah, I can't believe that you have me back on now. And now I have to actually talk about Muppet characters. Like Muppet <laughs> show characters. Actual like Kermit, familiar characters. Piggy, Gonzo, Rizzo, Robin the Frog. Like, yeah, who are these guys? Why am I here? <laughs> do you want to leave? Yeah, this, is, this is the second episode in a row where you said one of Sam the Eagle's catchphrases. Why am I here? Mm, You just said, why am I here? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So, last time when we ended, Gonzo was just starting to say something about the ghost of Christmas present, about the spirit's sympathy. So, here he finishes that thought. Perhaps it was the spirit's sympathy for all poor men that led them straight to the home of Scrooge's faithful clerk. Because as we uh, started talking about last week, this is the thing. Scrooge is so unsympathetic and so wrapped up in his own money and his own selfish, greedy little world that he just seemingly didn't even know that Bob Cratchit had a family, didn't know anything about him, didn't know where they live. It's just Scrooge is in his own little world. Right. So Gonzo, well, I was going to say Gonzo and Rizzo. Gonzo is a chimney sweep now. Uh, we previously saw Gonzo and Rizzo as lamplighters. Uh, much like a character from the movie Mo- uh, Mary Poppins Returns. <laughs> and now Gonzo is a chimney sweep, much like a character from the movie Mary Poppins. And and those two movies are of the same quality, right? Like, we can agree? <laughs> same, same quality. Uh, yes. They are... You they know, are... I, I don't think I can even pretend for the no, sake of a joke. I mean, here's the thing, is if yes. I like a movie already... And then they make another movie that doesn't do anything new or interesting, but just reminds just me of the and movie pastes that I the like. Same formula. Then yeah. it's just as good. Anthony, here's what you're forgetting. What? In the second one, you turn turtle. Uh, there's a whole song about it, about turning turtle. That is true. I turn turtle and I go to the <laughs> Royal Dalton Music Bowl or something. And then, so they, it's better. Because there's like a song about how movie, in, instead of a spoonful of sugar, there's like a song about how taking a bath is useful. And <laughs> instead of instead of let's go fly a kite, they do a balloon song. Balloons, Anthony. And, Anthony, we love it when Ernie sings songs about how taking baths are useful. Duty Duck <laughs> is the best song ever. So like, <laughs> why are we? Why are we complaining? Mary Poppins Returns, best movie. If Emily Blunt best sang movie. Duty Rubber Duck in Mary Poppins Returns, I would <laughs> like it much yeah, better. Well, that seems like something that might happen on Sesame Street, right? Yeah. If, uh, that'd be great. She, uh, Emily Blunt has been up. on Sesame yeah. Street, I think. Yeah, Probably. That sounds right. Um, anyway. Anyway, so yeah, Gonzo's a, a chimney sweep. <laughs> in this movie, 
Dick Van Dyke does not play a chimney sweep. Gonzo, as Charles Dickens, plays a chimney sweep. He gets to work uh, while he's doing this narration. But Rizzo is mostly interested in the smell of a goose uh, being roasted in the fireplace. Downstairs, the smell is wafting up through the chimney. He can smell the goose, so he knows it's not made of wax. So he's excited. Right, right. He's even more excited than he was about the fruit. Yeah, Yeah. He just wants to eat this goose. Here's a quick question uh, that I actually wrote down. I've never eaten goose. Rizzo is going crazy about this. He really is. Is, is goose, have you guys eaten goose? No, so I have not. Good? So I wanted to make a goose for my birthday this year. Huh. My birthday is in December. That's like the goose month. That's like the goose eating time. Mm, of course, we all know December is the goose month. I went, to, goose. I went to my local grocery store, Hy-Vee, and at the Hy-Vee, they had geese, like for Christmas. Oh. It was $122 for a frozen goose. Whoa. Wait. So, how how much at the same store would it cost, just for, for perspective? How much would it be for a, a chicken? I mean, like a whole chicken? Like a frozen chicken? Yeah. I don't know. I know that a duck is about 30 35 Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, a chicken's, so pro- a chicken's probably like $15, $12. I, I guess a goose it's is gotta bigger. Be less, yeah. yeah. Usually, a goose is bigger. Yeah, it was about twice Maybe as big as a duck. Story. It was yeah, about twice okay. as big and about four times as costly, you know? Anthony, can you describe that compared to the size of Bean Bunny? Because that's how I measure the size <laughs> of <laughs> I don't remember. I surely should go back and, like, see how much the goose weighed. But, yeah, it was 122, so I didn't I didn't get it. Yeah, go in with your measuring tape, put it on the scale. Be like, excuse me, excuse me, employees. I'm, I was per- hoping to purchase a Christmas goose. But I need to know the price per pound. Yes, so exactly. Like, but so you like goose is what you're telling. I've me. never tried it. I wanted to oh. try a goose. Yeah. You wanted to see, yeah, if, if you would be as crazy for it as Rizzo. If I'm going to spend that much on a goose, I just want to go to a restaurant and pay for an expensive yeah, goose meal and not have to prepare it. Yeah. Right. You I shouldn't know. have to cook it yourself at that yeah. price now. Yeah. <laughs> this is not like when you you got quail's eggs for the Great Muppet Caper scene with John Cleese and you were able to just go and, and affordably buy a, a, a dozen uh, quail's eggs. Right. I mean, quail's eggs are expensive, but it was like, yeah. I don't know, man. Eggs are up so high now these days. I'm oh, sure yeah. quail's eggs are like 18 bucks a dozen or something. I haven't looked. Uh, but I did, I did, I do eat a lot of pickled quail's eggs. I always buy them at the giant oh. candy store when I go there. And okay. Ra- Roz thinks they're gross, but I think they're the best. All right. Well, Rizzo thinks the smell of this goose is the best. And he just can't get enough of it. He's sticking his head in the chimney. Uh, I mean, side note, we've we've talked about this before. Rizzo has probably or, or possibly met a few talking Muppet geese in his time. So it's that weird thing about Muppets wanting to eat live animals, but... Scrooge asks the spirit, this is Bob Cratchit's house? The spirit says, how do you know that? And Scrooge says, you just told me. And the spirit says, well, I'm usually trustworthy. And he does this gesture with his arm. And it's very funny. And I like it a lot. Like, the ghost is not absent-minded in the book at all. That's like not, it's not a thing, you know? Huh, okay. And it isn't even really in this movie all that much. But I think that the- No, not really. Right, but I think that the body language, like of that, like you say, the way he moves is kind of like turns towards Scrooge and says, "I'm usually trustworthy," makes it work so well. It it's like it, like that's yeah. the payoff, you know. And it allows the the 
Ghost to retain control of the situation because he still kind of seems like he knows everything. Right. I do just want to say real quick. Um, so one thing that always bothered me about this scene is Rizzo is smelling the goose and the goose is cooking. We're going to get to it in a second. Gonzo is cleaning the chimney while the goose is cooking in the fireplace. Oh, you're right. Like it gets super gross. We we even see, you know, again, we see the soot falling on the goose at one point. Like yeah. this poor family. Again, it's good <laughs> that Scrooge brings them a turkey bigger than Bean Bunny because <laughs> like why would you No, that sounds so like so gross to me. Like don't well, don't eat that goose. Because Gonzo and Rizzo sort of exist in this space where sometimes they're in the story and sometimes they're not in it. And we're going to see in a minute that when Rizzo is inside the house, nobody reacts to him. So maybe, maybe the soot exists on the plane of existence that is not in phase with the Cratchit family. So it does not actually affect the goose. Sure. I don't know. That's that's my best uh, theory on that. Um, but anyway, they uh, uh, Scrooge and the Spirit look in the window, and we hear somebody uh, absentmindedly singing to themselves. Scrooge says, who's that? And the Spirit tells him that it's Mrs. Cratchit, of course. But is it, of course, because the Muppet character that they have cast as Mrs. Cratchit, the wife of Bob Cratchit, this this housewife... Mean Mama. <laughs> yes, Miss, it's Mean Mama. I was going to say Can Miss Mousy. Miss Mousy, Miss Mousy would have been a, a more obvious choice. More obvious because this, right? Character-wise, <laughs> yes, more obvious, more more in character. Uh, because this is Miss Piggy. This is Miss Piggy, the breakout star of the Muppet Show, the star of television, film, and magazine covers and calendars. And she's here making her first appearance in this Muppet movie at about 56 minutes and 37 seconds into the movie. Yeah. Well, what yeah. I love about Miss Piggy, we've talked about in how in TV specials, Miss Piggy got increasingly elaborate entrances, right? She's coming, I, I wrote this coming down. down a flight of stairs. Yeah, all that stuff. But what I love yeah. about this is that obviously they can't do that here. They'll, they'll they'll do it in the next movie. But so what they do give her is the exact same introduction that they give most of the cameos in the Muppet movie, right? Who's back is to the camera. <laughs> yeah. Turn around. It's Steve Martin. It's Richard Pryor. It's Bob Hope. Whatever, right? Yeah. We see them back to the camera. Turn around. That's who it is. It's exactly what they do with Miss Piggy in this movie. You're right. Yeah. It's they, like, who's that? And then, oh, point. and then you could applaud if, yeah. if you were so yeah. moved. Yeah. They treat it's, her like she's a cameo guest star. Yeah, it's the famous Miss Piggy. Yeah. And uh, that's fine, man. I, I like to see her. I think she's good in this. Oh, oh yeah, it's it's great to see her. Um, I, I do, I didn't, I've never counted, but I assume this is her latest entrance in any of the Muppet movies. I think Treasure Island is later. It's probably, it's, yeah, it might be, it might be over an hour, because that movie's longer than this really? one, a lot longer for one thing. Huh. Okay, well, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out. We'll have to, we'll, we'll we have to see. So, 56 yeah. minutes and 37 seconds. Although, although in that movie, we do see a photo of her on oh. Kermit's desk earlier, I think. Yeah, I which, don't know. which might be kind of a way of like, let's, let's assure the audience Miss Piggy's going to be in this movie. Here's a picture case, of her. In case you doubted that Miss Piggy... <laughs> well, she's on the poster, so... I mean, yeah, she, plays, she plays yeah. Ben Gunn. A character who should be played by George the Janitor. 
So. <laughs> mm. Sure. Or Martin Short. Or, or Martin, man, Martin Short is so funny in Treasure Planet. Oh, in Treasure oh, Planet, he's yeah, so good yeah. In Treasure Planet, he's so good. I mean, Martin Short's always the best. But right, right. This is not I, a Martin Short podcast. No, but, well, yeah, and we'll probably talk more about that. Next we'll talk season about when ben, we're talking about a Treasure about Island movie. B E N next next. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about B E N next year when I instead of doing the old Curiosity Shop, I do my regular segment where I say, "Here's what happens in Treasure Planet." Right. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> love that movie. I do too, actually. I I, I mean, Musker and Clements, come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we see Peter in this this scene. Yeah, well, well. I, I I wanted to mention too, um, when, I, when we get to this part of the movie, I often think of the page about this movie in the book Jim Henson, The Works, which has a few pages near the end about some of the projects that happened after Jim Henson's passing. And when it talks about this, it mentions that Miss Piggy is astonishingly but effectively cast as the dowdy Mrs. Cratchit, which is a pretty good, concise way to to summarize her role in this movie. It's astonishing that they did it, but it's effective. Uh, right. And also right. in, in that original uh, making of TV special, Kermit says... It's working out very well to have Miss Piggy play my wife, Emily Cratchit, but I just want to say three things. This is only a movie. This is only a movie. This is only a movie. That's pretty good. <laughs> Which, you know, it's the usual, like, what's going on with Kermit and Piggy, but it's a pretty funny joke. Right. Yeah, I can imagine that being executed well. I mean, it's the pig of the 90s. <laughs> um, yeah. Of- this is what became of it, I guess. I guess, yeah. Speaking- this is what was left over. Speaking of Miss Piggy's name being Emily in this movie. Uh, Mrs. Cratchit does not have a name in the book, is not given a name. That's interesting, especially because Fred's friend Topper had a name. Right, right. Dickens loves loves naming things. uh, uh, Clara, Fred's wife, also does not have a name. So I think that Dickens loves a name, although Fan has a name, right? Fan has a name, Scrooge's sister Fan, after Dickens' real-life sister, as we we discussed earlier. Um, But uh, anyway... Uh, Tough Pigs Forum member Annie, listener Annie, suggested, so I have to give her a shout out, that she suggested Bob and Emily Cratchit might be named after Bob and Emily Hartley, the characters played Uh, by Bob Newhart and Suzanne Flechette on the 70s sitcom The Bob Newhart Show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I I don't know that that's the case, but it's certainly an intriguing idea, and I sure hope so, because I love that show. Yes, yes, I like that theory, and it it does not seem like a stretch to imagine that that Jerry Jewell, say, would have enjoyed the Bob Newhart show. Right. Well, and and as we discussed a few episodes ago, uh, the Muppets appeared with Bob Newhart on a TV special to promote this movie. Oh, yeah. Everything is connected. Yeah. Uh, so, in the kitchen, Miss Piggy, as Emily Cratchit, is uh, apparently hard at work on Christmas dinner. Um, she does, I gotta say, she looks uh, pretty good in this, this uh, Victorian costume with her bonnet on and everything. Um, and as, as Becca was uh, alluding to, she is admonishing her son Peter to keep turning the spit to roast the goose. Uh, Peter is a frog performed by David Rudman. So uh, when I met David Rudman in 2010, I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before. Uh, when I met <laughs> David Rudman at an event in 2010, I asked him to sign my Laserdisc copy of Muppet Christmas Carol. And on the back, uh, just like on the VHS tape, it has that picture of the Cratchit family, like, you know, with Scrooge right. gathered around the table. 
Peter's mm-hmm. in that photo. So I asked David Rudman to sign it by Peter Cratchit. And he said, which one's Peter Cratchit? Did I play him? <laughs> well, so I do want to I do want to say, you know, a couple things about Peter Cratchit. So first of all, I'm learning from Muppet Wiki because you always got to read Muppet Wiki that according to the back cover of the 1993 storybook A Merry Muppet Christmas Through the Window, Peter Cratchit is played by a frog named Simon. <laughs> oh, so I did not see this. The Muppet, the Muppet Frog, Simon Frog, plays the character of Peter Cratchit in the same way that the Muppet Frog, Robin the Frog, huh. plays the character of Tiny Tim. Wow, um, that rules. Also, apparently on the 2012 Blu-ray, Rizzo claims that Peter is played by Peter Frog. Oh. So I guess he's Simon Peter Frog, <laughs> and he's named after, you know, two apostles at once. Um, well, those... But, those are the same apostles. Are the same? Yeah. I was, I was, it's, the, yeah. <laughs> it's the same. I was just about to yeah. say that. As soon as I said it, I was like, no, wait, that's right. the same. That's the name. But yeah. um, he's, I mean, he's he's a frog prince frog by the best I can tell. I did look back at old screenshots from Frog Prince and from Mary Louise's Frog Glee Club mm. from The Muppet Show. And I'm not confident he's there. But it might just be differences in color grading between Could be. the 70s and the 90s. Again, these are the kind of things that I focus on. But he's a Muppet frog. He probably right. is one of the ones from Mary Louise's it seems Glee Club. Likely. Right? not noticing. Right. Well, and and yeah. I was going to also say, um, like, I I don't want it to sound like I'm, like I'm knocking David Rudman for not remembering Peter Cratchit. A character that he had played at that time. It had been eighteen years since the movie came out, <laughs> and he has two lines in that role. In this, yeah, movie. and also he has played hundreds of Muppet characters in his career. Right. So, right. So it's yeah. not. It's not like I was like, mm, yes, sir, you did play Peter Cratchit. How dare yeah. you forget? No, yeah. and. And one thing that we have learned, it's like somebody for sure, did at work one day, two decades earlier. Exactly. Yeah. The we we know about a lot of these things more and in more detail than the people who worked on them because, yeah, it's their job. Certain things stand out, but they're not they're not necessarily uh, as obsessive as we are going back and rewatching them and looking for all the details. Uh, for example, watching a movie like this two minutes at a time. I don't think David Rodman would ever do that. So, right. Well, if, well, if he would, he's going to hear from our lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that. So, um, uh, Emily Cratchit, as presented here, is a pig, and Peter Cratchit is a frog. We'll get more into this very soon, but this is getting into uh, the question of what would happen uh, if. Kermit and Miss Piggy have offspring, which has been uh, explored, and and there've been jokes about it a few times over the years. Um, in our season of the podcast about Muppets Take Manhattan, we talked about an early draft of the screenplay for that movie that would have had an alternate fantasy sequence. Among other things, they would have shown uh, Miss Piggy pregnant, and then in the hospital having given birth to a baby frog, and then pregnant again, and then in the hospital having given birth to some baby pigs. So, at some point, I guess they decided that, (laughs) like, if Kermit and Piggy have kids, 
some of them are just frogs and some of them are just pigs. The way that I always sort of hand-waved it is that this movie is very clearly, like, the characters playing roles. Like, we see this yeah, at the beginning when much. it says... So, like, there are no frog-pig hybrid creatures because Kermit and Piggy aren't married right. and don't have kids. So they cast, you know, their their good friend Simon Frog <laughs> exactly. to, to play this role because they, they couldn't cast a pig-frog hybrid monster. You know, like, that's... That's the way that I kind of always hand wave sure. as a person who thinks too much about no, it. No, well, yeah. Said, so, but Miss Piggy, the actor, did not give birth to the mm-hmm. the other actors we see right, playing right. her children in this movie. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the other thing just to add on to that is, um, yeah, we, d- we have seen pig-frog hybrids in the fantasy sequence in Muppets Most Wanted, and that was also very funny. Um... So the goose, the goose smells so good. Uh, this is what Peter Cratchit says. Miss Piggy, we then see her looking at herself in the mirror adoringly. And she says, it does, doesn't it? And she strikes oh, the pose. Such <laughs> a funny line such reading. A, such a good line reading. Yeah. This is like, this is, this is what Frank Oz brings to the table. And I yep. love Eric Jacobson. But this is what Frank Oz brings to the table that no one else can bring to the table. Yeah. Like, yeah. Again, I love Eric Jacobson. You know, he's a great guy. He does a great job performing all of the characters that he performs. Yes. But, like, no one can be Frank Oz. And this kind <laughs> of line reading is exactly why no one can be yeah. Frank Oz. He just yeah. does how to wring every drop of comedy out of everything. And this is just, yeah, it's a small role, but Miss Piggy is going to make the most of it. She's making it her own. So. Uh, meanwhile, back on the roof, Rizzo is still just obsessed with the smell of this goose. He leans down into the chimney a little too far, and he falls down the chimney. Uh, I really like the sound effect when he's falling that kind of just goes thunk. Yeah, that's funny. And then Grover pops up and asks some kid, the rat follows him down the chimney? <laughs> <laughs> how does how does Rizzo get into homes that don't have chimneys? Um <laughs> So Gonzo's. It depends on what plane of existence he's on. Yeah, well, maybe that's exactly, the answer exactly. to the question of Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah, Santa Claus he, goes out of phase with our our plane of existence, right? But of course, the answer is that Rizzo comes in with the relatives at Thanksgiving and hides in the laundry. Right. Great, love that. I want to go watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street now. Always um, a good idea. Yeah, Gonzo's not amused by this. He says, oh, good grief, which again, Gonzo playing the straight man to that that wacky guy, Rizzo. Uh, Gonzo says, I knew you weren't suited for literature. Pretty ah, it's such a good line. A- that's, a, that's a line. That's a line that I, I'm surprised we don't see on more like fan stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Like sure. you see like light the lamp, not the rat and stuff. Like it's such a funny like insult to use for any reason <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah maybe we should all start uh incorporating it into our our real lives i knew you weren't suited for literature i mean yeah. i'm i'm an english teacher in my professional life it I would work it yeah and actually i'm just thinking like um my wife and previous podcast guest stacy just told me that she's not sure she can finish her book uh, before her upcoming book club meeting. So what I should have said in reply to her is, 
I knew you weren't suited for literature. Yeah. I'll have to remember that next time. Um, cut back to the fireplace. Rizzo uh, falls down from the chimney and lands on his feet on the goose. He's relieved at first because he's landed on something soft, but then he realizes that it's hot, 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 hot. And he no, does no, what his he little says, dance. What he says is, hoo, hoo, ha, hoo, hot, 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 hot. Oh, thank you. I, Do not, you I, I neglected to write down hoo, hoo, ha, ha. What was it? Hoo, ha, hoo. Hoo, hoo, ha, hoo. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that uh, clarification. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, in preparing for this episode, I realized that I did not have any notes on how this effect was done of Rizzo dancing on the goose. Because we see his entire body. We see uh, that he's casting a shadow behind him. Um, we see the entire fireplace. The goose is is, is spinning. Um, so I asked some of our Muppet fan friends if they had any insights. Um, our friend Joachim, uh, who is a professional puppeteer. Um, yeah, he's, he's actually a Muppet performer on the Dutch production of Sesame Street. So he knows his puppets. And uh, he said, uh, he, he didn't know for sure, but he noticed that the shadow on the back wall looked unnatural. Um, Rizzo, he, he says, Rizzo, the goose, and the whole skewer system are lit from the front. It's one steady shot, so there's room for a digital effect there that's not too difficult for the 90s. It could be the case that Rizzo, the goose, and the skewer are performed in chroma key and composited into the fireplace. Uh, the shadow without any puppeteer arms or rods sticking out of Rizzo could be the same shot of Rizzo and the goose and skewer turned digitally into a silhouette. It may seem like too much of a modern Photoshop technique, but they did do that silhouette thing all the time on the Storyteller, which is a few years before this. So I like that theory. Um, our friend and past podcast guest, Grant Harding, who is also a puppeteer, agreed with this theory. And our friends Eric, Joe, and Tony said similar things. Um, then, at the last minute before we were recording this episode... I just kind of said, wait a minute, what if Brian Henson actually talked about this on the DVD commentary, and I just forgot to write it down? So I checked the DVD commentary, and he did. It goes by very quickly, but Brian Henson says, this is a complicated little gag. Rizzo is shot on blue screen, and the chicken is shot on the blue screen as well, and the rest is on the set. I can't believe Brian Henson forgot what kind of bird it was, though. It's not a chicken. He does say it's chicken. Yeah, that's what he says. It's a goose. Yeah, he was there. He should know. But, Get out of here, um, you talking sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that taken together gives us a pretty good idea of how this was done. So there's that. Yeah, and uh, like I said, they Piggy and, and Peter do not seem to notice at all that there is a rat on their goose screaming and jumping up and down. So uh, Rizzo is, is apparently not visible at this point in the story. Um, then back to Piggy, who is leaning over the stove. And this is where we meet one of the Cratchit's other children. It's a little girl pig. She is admonishing her mother for eating the chestnuts before her father and Tiny Tim get home. Piggy insists that she was just checking them to make sure they weren't burned. That that line where she's like, I'm just checking the chestnuts to make sure they're not burned. That is so much the Piggy of like the Piggy cookbooks and the Piggy like <laughs> exercise tapes yeah. uh, of of this era. And again, it's this it's this subtle difference 
from like modern modern piggy that i do kind of miss this like yes this is how we check the chestnuts you know like yeah right but the the funniest thing about it is that before she says that she shoves as many chestnuts as possible into her mouth Yes. Like, yes, we should say that for not, the audience. Yeah, it's not yes, like she just important. is eating and then Belinda calls her out on it and she stops. Belinda calls her out on it and then she shoves them all in there to make sure she gets them all. Ah, it's so <laughs> She's good. checking them. That's how you do it. Yeah. So you check them. Yeah. And that's that's a good point, Becca, because we had like the in in Muppets Now there were those uh, lifestyle segments, which were pretty in character for Piggy, but I do suspect that this version of Piggy would have had a different level of participation and something yeah. like that. There's a, there's a subtle difference that I can't quite put my finger on quite here yeah. while recording this podcast. Right, right. I, f- I feel like if you sat me down in a writer's room or something, <laughs> I'd be able yeah. to, to pin it down. It's like, she's going to be the housewife. She's going to go along with this thing, but she's, she's not really going to do the thing the way mm-hmm. she's expected to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, then she's, uh, says to her daughter, do not shout, Bettina. And her daughter, though, says, I'm Belinda. And this is Steve Whitmire, for the record. And then another little girl pig enters from the other side of the frame and says, I'm Bettina. <laughs> Miss Piggy, okay. Miss Piggy looks okay. back and forth between both of them. She tries again. I forget who she's addressing, Belinda or Bettina. She gets it wrong again, though. And then she looks at the camera and says, whatever. So the the second one is, is she addresses Belinda as Bettina because then Steve Whitmire sasses out Belinda. Um, right. Okay. But you didn't you didn't mention that Bettina is Dave Goals. Bettina is and, played by Dave Goals. Yes. And it, it like on, honestly for my money, I'm Bettina is one of <laughs> Dave Goals' funniest line readings in his entire career. Sure. Because yeah. it's because it's such a nothing line on paper, but it's like. The fact that the first Little Miss Piggy sounds like, you know, Wembley Fraggle doing this Piggy imitation, that's fine. (laughs) That's funny. But then the second one sounds like Rugby Tiger. Well, and I I think... It's it's amazing. Sounds even less like an actual... Like an actual little girl voice somehow. Right. Exactly. Like, that's what I mean. And it's so funny. You've talked about this when you had, you know, Dave on the podcast. I... uh, the the bravest thing I've ever done in my life is do that imitation to Dave Goals on this podcast, but <laughs> but it it's so obviously like Steve and and Dave trying to make fun of the way Frank Oz performs yes. Miss Piggy, right? And Miss you like, and if you take Miss Piggy's voice a notch further than it already is, you realize how like it's completely divorced from what a real person sounds like, <laughs> right, yeah. right. and that's. And that's kind of what's what's going on here. They're really good at it. They are. Re- that's the thing. Like you can tell, they're just having such a good time. Like razzing him. Oh yeah. Know, and this must have been so much fun on the day that they shot this. Uh, and I, I'm actually was really happy to have the a reason to watch and rewatch this two minute clip because this is actually one of those. Muppet jokes that I sometimes forget is a joke just because I watched these movies so many times, but just, I, I don't remember what my reaction was the first time I saw this, but just the, the first time that you see these two twin pigs come in and they both sound like Miss Piggy. And I don't know. It, it's just, it's hilarious. And I'm 
glad that it's in this movie, and I'm glad that I got to watch it and rewatch it for this episode. I kind of wish there was more with Belinda and Bettina, yeah. and not just in this movie, but like in the Muppets. Maybe um, you know what you know what would have been good if they had if it had been them instead of Andy and Randy Pig. <laughs> if it was just like done that. If it was just like two enthusiastic little Miss Piggies, you know, who like yeah. aren't idiots and don't mess everything up. Right, they would have been different character types, but yeah. Who are like Piggy's acolytes or something, you know? Yeah. Know. Yeah, but but it would have been it would have been so much fun to have again Steve and Dave as a and not Steven. Yeah, Steven Dave Steve as Dave, a duo. Yeah. yeah. Like making fun of Frank Oz like consistently, like that would have been really funny. Yeah. To to yeah. see more often. You know, I will tell you something that you don't know about Belinda and Bettina, oh. which is that like I said, you know, they're they're actresses playing a role. And of course, the back cover of the 1993 <laughs> A Merry Muppet oh. Christmas Through the Window book <laughs> reveals, and, and, and it looks like Muppet Wiki has a picture of the back of this book. Uh, Ryan, I'll make sure that I send it to you. Yeah, so you can, I'm you so glad you it. looked this stuff up. I yeah, well, this is what I do. Missed it. Um, you know, the, con- the contributors write the wiki, and then I just sit here and read well, it. Well, yeah. But their names, uh, Belinda and Bettina, are of course played Bettina is played by Miranda Pig, hmm. and Belinda is played by Melinda Pig. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. They're Miranda and Melinda as... Your favorite characters, Belinda Miranda and Melinda Bettina. Pig. Now, one of these puppets was reused for an episode of the Muppets ABC sitcom, and what was that character? Was that character's name Alinda? Alinda, yeah. named Alinda. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe it was Melinda who played Belinda as Alinda. I hope so. I mean, I would, I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I got the, the whole order correct, but I, I will say the uh, the Alinda. I don't care as much. Like I don't. I liked that episode a lot. That was one of the better episodes, and the one that I reviewed uh, when mm. we were doing our initial reviews of these. But. Um, Looking back at it now, I don't love the Alinda design. They they made some changes to like the eye placement. Mm. They tried to make her look a little more like modern Miss Piggy, and like I feel like modern Miss Piggy's design isn't as good as old Miss Piggy. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, right. Well, m- my memory of that too is that you could kind of tell that it was an old puppet. Like it didn't look like it was in pristine condition Mm -hmm. that as well and they tried to fix her up a little bit but uh, yeah i don't know i guess that character was meant to be a sympathetic character that's the unveil the tale episode right yeah yeah Yeah. she's like tells piggy that she's kind of like her role model and so she's yeah she has to be a sympathetic character so i guess that maybe that's part of the reason for any redesign that they did on her but (laughs) the design of belinda and bettina is hilarious like they just they're kind of weird looking and that works really well for them. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, then Scrooge and the spirit hear somebody else singing now. And they turn to look, there's somebody coming up the hill toward the house. It's Bob Cratchit and his son, tiny Tim. Tiny Tim is of course played by Robin Kermit's nephew. And what was probably the easiest of all of the Muppet casting decisions for this movie so first, I will just just to mention the song that they're singing. Um, this is 
They're singing a reprise of One More Sleep from earlier in the movie. Tiny Tim is singing the lyrics, and Bob Cratchit is scatting along as he carries Tiny Tim on his shoulder. Uh, this song does appear on the soundtrack as Christmas Scat. And, and it rules. I like it. It's the, it's fun. It's the oh, group. I, yeah. Love this song. Yeah, well, it's good. I've, the, the closing credits of Fraggle Rock feature Gobo and Wembley scatting the theme song to Fraggle Rock together. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, this is Gobo and Wembley. It's Jerry Nelson and Steve Whitmire. Oh, scatting yeah. again. It's the scatting. same two performers yeah. doing the same thing. And yeah, it, and it that's great. completely rules both times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great observation. So as they walk, we see their entire bodies. We see uh, Kermit walking along uh, up this street, and it, it looks it really looks like they're moving forward along the city street. Uh, our guest, who will be here next week, has told me that he really loves this shot, and he has some behind-the-scenes behind information on this. So I did not look up any behind-the-scenes information on this. What I, what I will say is, you know, this this shot is so iconic that uh, Palisades made a toy of this shot. Yeah, um, because they they made a they made six Muppet Christmas Carol mini Muppets. Uh, I have three of them. I'm I'm looking at at Fozziewig and the Ghost of Christmas Present right now, who are over my computer. But uh, they did make a uh, Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim, and it's Tiny Tim on Bob Cratchit's shoulder, you know, holding the crutch, like in this scene. Right. Well, and yeah, that's and cool. there is and there is also a in 2017 for the movie's 25th anniversary, the Hallmark Christmas ornament that year for the Muppets, which they usually do one every year for the Muppets, but that year's is the best one ever because it's this scene. It's Bob Cratchit holding Tiny Tim, and when you press the button, it plays the whole song. Yeah, yeah. I will argue that the best Hallmark Muppet Christmas ornament is the one that I have, which is Cookie Monster and Gonger in the foodie truck. <laughs> that sounds that sounds great too. Um, I'm not in and have never been into pop culture related ornaments that aren't explicitly Christmas themed. So mm, um, that's, fair. that's fair. But uh, anyways, we have this one on our tree, and my kids love pressing it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm do sure. you take the batteries out when it's not? christmas because yes the, the batteries can just yep. wear out and leave like you have to i yeah we do it. i had a friend who had who had the uh the hallmark beaker ornament mm-hmm. and uh they did not take the batteries out and one year i was helping them decorate for the holidays and the beaker ornament exploded which Whoa. was very appropriate yeah like, Oh. Acid just started leaking out of the bottom. Yikes! <laughs> I was just gonna say because they, yeah, they they wear out and they leak acid. But uh, it, okay, so I guess I gotta go take some batteries out of some ornaments <laughs> at the end of this Christmas season. Um, yeah, wow. So this clip actually ends. If either of you wanna, if you had any notes you wanted to bring up about the the shot or how they accomplish the shot, we can. Get to that. I just love the little houses behind them. They're they're yeah. these tiny, crooked little model houses. Again, you know, our our friend Danny said in my week with Muppet Christmas Carol that the sets. It might have been our friend Kynan, mm-hmm. um, but in that article said that the sets in this movie look like the version of London that Emmett Otter visited on uh, his would that Emmett Otter would visit on like his study abroad uh, (laughs) and i i i've always thought about that and it it truly is because emmett otter is like my favorite 
thing. So it it's that same kind of just very like obviously fake but adorably fake aesthetic that I I really love. Right. And both of those productions take place in these worlds that yeah, they seem kind of fake but Muppets are everywhere in them and like you you really believe that that Muppets live in those worlds. Like we see their full bodies a lot and we see them on street corners and everything. So yeah, it looks great. Uh, and yeah, this, this clip ends with Robin singing either Falala or Falalala. So <laughs> we'll have to wait until next week to hear the conclusion of the song. Um, that's all I have for these two minutes specifically. I wanted to get into, uh, my old nonsense about other adaptations of a Christmas Carol featuring established characters, because love we have it. a few from this scene. Very Let's do good. It. Who, I'm glad who you love plays it. Plays Peter Cratchit in Rich Little's Christmas Carol. <laughs> so is it Simon the Frog? <laughs> oh man, that would be great. Rich Little's famous Simon the Frog impression. It's actually Richard Dawson. <laughs> Did he do a Richard Dawson impression? Not that I know of, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, no, that would be interesting. Uh, okay, in Mickey's Christmas Carol, you can probably guess who plays Mrs. Cratchit. It is Clarabelle. It's Clara Cluck. Those that are was my second both guess. excellent <laughs> guesses, and I wish they were correct. But no, it's Minnie Mouse, the obvious choice. Uh, Tiny Tim is played by Morty Fieldmouse. It's I Morty, not know. Ferdy. I was going to say, I didn't know which was which it was. Yeah, right. Well, this is a thing where, like, because of this special, I always felt like Morty and Ferdy were bigger deals. <laughs> yeah. And then they don't seem to, like, exist anywhere else. Like, as a kid, I thought that they were, like, the same tier as Huey, Dewey, and Sure. sure. Like, well, but they were it's, always around. It's funny, because I think my kids kind of do, because, you know, the, the newer, <laughs> the newer like, Paul Rudish-produced Mickey Mouse cartoons? Mm-hmm. The, like, yeah. the, like, funny, the funny Mickey Mouse cartoons? The funny ones? The ones that yeah. are actually funny. Yeah. Um, there's a, a Halloween special, like a half-hour Halloween special. And in that, they're telling ghost stories to all five nephews. Like, Donald's three nephews oh, and Mickey's okay. two nephews are all there, and they're just, like, hanging out, you know? So, uh, all right. they're, all, they're like, the whole gang. I don't even think I knew that the last name was Field Mouse until I was looking this up. I just thought, I knew Morty and Ferdy, but right. apparently their last name is not Mouse, it's Field Mouse. Yeah, and I guess like, they, they maybe appeared in a couple of cartoons in the old days, and but mostly in comics since then. Sure, yeah. Scrooge's nephew Donald doesn't have the same last name as him either. So Scrooge that's McDuck. true. Yes. Yeah. Duck and McDuck. Well, yeah, well that's Donald's because... nephews have the same last name, and we've seen the family tree. Uh, I have it in a in a book <laughs> over there, so I I know how this all. Becca, right? I did a speech on that family tree in speech class as a high school freshman. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm right there <laughs> with you, is what I'm saying. Hey, if anybody hasn't read any of those old uh, old Scrooge McDuck books, you know, uh, oh, yeah. they're real good. Yeah. Uh, huge fan of the life and times of Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, um, anything by Carl Barks or Don Rosa. Here's the yeah. thing about Don Rosa. Like, that shouldn't work, trying to take all those Carl oh, Barks stories. And like, because <laughs> we, we, we could talk about this off mic, but Roy Oh, we Thomas, sure could. Roy Thomas tried to do that at DC. I knew All-Star you were about Squadron. to say Roy Thomas. And it, like, it doesn't God, I, work. I love All-Star Squadron. Anthony, I love Anthony, it. 
have yes. we have we fought about Roy? Th- I, I I mean, have we talked about Roy Thomas before? <laughs> I I can't stand him either. No, no, I don't. Here's the I, thing. I like. Wait. Here's the thing. I love All Star Squadron, but it's a it's 100 a mess. It is. Well, that's what I mean. Like I I. I can't, I can't hate, you know, he's done so many good things as well, but yeah. like, he drives me crazy with how he tries to connect all of these loose exactly. ends that never make sense. They never like, make Even with his, fa- even with his Fantastic Four run, he's like, he's trying to put too many pieces together and like, no one actually cares about like bringing back Mr. Gideon or whatever. Right. Like, right. I, so, like, that's I my literally point. just read that run last week. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So in in mm-hmm. superhero and I comics, had the same reaction, like okay, I see what he's trying to do, but this is just not necessary. In, in in superhero comics, this guy Roy Thomas, as we've alluded to, was obsessed with trying to make every comic in first Marvel and then DC fit together into continuity. This was like his goal in life was to make comics sure that, that were written by different fit. writers at different times who did not care whether the stuff they were writing matched up with the stuff that had come before. Right. And he tried this over and over and it never worked and it's always a mess. <laughs> and then in the Disney Duck comics, uh, Carl Barks wrote those for decades and also like didn't care about continuity, just kind of told whatever story. And after Carl Barks retired, uh, the, the primary writer was this guy named Don Rosa, who did the exact same thing that, that we just said Roy Thomas did. He wrote this 12-issue miniseries called The Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, the goal of which is to make a coherent timeline out of those old Carl Barks comics. <laughs> and somehow, it, it hangs together beautifully. And there's no way that it should work as well as it does. Like, somehow he makes it work that Scrooge both had rich ancestors and grew up poor. Like, <laughs> has a castle and was a shoeshine boy. And he, like, he spins it all into this tapestry that makes sense, and it is a genuine masterpiece. And I don't know how or why. And Scrooge plays uh, Scrooge in <laughs> Mickey's Christmas That's Carol. That's true. Exactly. So also in Mickey's Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah, we could go on and on about all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, Okay, so Peter Cratchit is played by Ferdy Fieldmouse, unsurprisingly, perhaps. Uh, Martha Cratchit is... So there, apparently there's some question about who this character is, and I did not know about <laughs> either of these two Disney characters until I looked this up. Martha Cratchit, the daughter, is played by either Millie or Melody Mouse, who are Minnie's nieces from the comics. I, I, it's possible that I've read a Millie and Melody story before, but I did not remember that these characters existed. So one of them plays Martha Cratchit. Um, in the Flintstones Christmas Carol, uh, do you want to guess who plays Mrs. Cratchit? Uh, if you remember who played I mean, Bob... Actually, it's Mrs. Craggett, who played Bob oh, Craggett. Yeah, of course, so, oh, so it's Betty Rubble. Yes, it's Betty Rubble. Right. Tiny Tim is played by Bam Bam. Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's an interesting. That's an interesting twist because instead of being frail and sickly, he's got <laughs> ungodly strength. Yeah, right? you know, I I have not actually watched this thing, and now I've I feel like it. maybe I'll have to at some point. I'm, I'm sure I've said this. It was. Uh, do you guys remember Dinner and a Movie on TBS? With yeah, Annabelle Gerwich mm-hmm. and Paul Gilmartin. They inexplicably featured Flintstones Christmas Carol with like <laughs> baby back brontosaurus ribs or something, oh, and. That's fun. Uh, and I saw that on there, definitely in like in high school okay. or middle school. But I, that but that's the last time. I mean, it was 1998 yeah. or something. It's the last time I've seen that. Huh? Yeah, I'll have to go 
go watch it at some point. Um, in the Muppet Magazine parody comic strip, uh, get this. Mrs. Cratchit is Miss Piggy and Tiny Tim is Robin. So what? It was, cool. It was, uh, it was ordained to, to happen. Um, preordained to happen. And as I believe our previous guest, I think it was Eric Adams pointed out to the Tiny Tim in Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol looks a whole lot like another UPA cartoon character, Gerald McBoing Boing. Yes. This bothered me so much as a kid. Oh. And I've not watched. This is an important Mr. Magoo story. I've only seen Mr. Do Magoo's tell. Christmas Carol once because, and I didn't really like it that much. And part of it was because I was like, well, it doesn't have the Mr. Magoo stuff in it. Yeah, not at all. Uh, yeah. One of the things, except for the framing one of the things that bothered me, that bothered me was that Gerald McBoing Boing wasn't making Gerald McBoing Boing <laughs> noises. Right. He's usually and, just making sound Yeah, effects. he can't, Gerald McBoing Boing can't talk. Right. The whole, the whole, the whole intro reminds you that he doesn't say words. He goes sound effect, sound effect instead. <laughs> and it confused me so much. I'm like, why would they don't care about Gerald McBoing Boing? What ah, am I doing here? Man, I can't believe what they did to Gerald McBoing Boing. So what I'm hearing is that nah, nah, Becca shouted, "Your name's not McCloy. You're Gerald McBoing Boing, the noise making boy." Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She shouted that at your TV. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Great. And finally, last but probably least, Rich Little's Christmas Carol. Guess. Who played Mrs. Cratchit? Wait, wait that's Gene Rich Stapleton, Little. isn't it? Yes, this is yeah. Gene Stapleton in the Edith Bunker voice. Therefore, Rich Little as Gene Stapleton, as Edith Bunker, as Mrs. Cratchit. Right, right. Which of course, which of course inspires the joke in as we've we've discussed the Dana Carvey show sketch, which we have. Which ha- in the, the he does a rich little Easter sketch. Yeah, he does a sketch about Rich Little's Easter special. So that contains the joke where Dana Carvey as Rich Little, as Gene Stapleton, as Edith Bunker, as Mary Magdalene. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Oh, uh, so and good. also in the in the Rich Little special, you would never guess this one, but it's it's pretty uh, funny. Truman Capote as Tiny Tim. Ooh, that is really fun. I, I like that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, so, that is all I have for these two minutes. Uh, do either of you have anything specifically on these two minutes, Becca, starting with you? I mean, I just want to say briefly, like, it's interesting, and I'm sure you guys will talk more about Robin and Tiny Tim as we go, but, like, I feel like this is probably Robin's most iconic role or thing that he ever did the most memorable thing that he ever did i feel like certainly more casual muppet fans think of him as tiny tim before they think of him as robin right right yeah that might be true yeah Um, yeah we we should note that he had a a top 20 hit single in england which was halfway down the stairs right you know so maybe maybe it's a little different yeah maybe it's a little different over there but i I don't know he went on top of the pops Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty special. But it, it had been a while at this point. Yeah, right. And it's been even a lot longer now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anthony, anything on these two minutes? I have a couple of things in the old curiosity shop. Pretty, pretty, okay. Let's... pretty brief. Um, so, okay. up, like, like I said, up top, Gonzo's narration is adapted from the book. So what Gonzo says is, perhaps it was the spirit's own generous nature and his sympathy for all poor men that led him straight to the home of Scrooge's faithful clerk. 
And what the narrator says in the book is, and perhaps it was the pleasure the good spirit had in showing off this power of his, or else it was his own kind, generous, hearty nature, and his sympathy with all poor men that led him straight to Scrooge's clerks. So very similar. I all mean, right. it's one of those things that yeah. Jerry Jewell convinced a little, a little bit, but, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, this actual scene in the book is basically the same setup. Mrs. Cratchit and her kids are getting ready for for Christmas dinner. Um, we, we're told that, like, Peter is mashing the potatoes and Belinda is helping out. And the two smaller or the two young Cratchits, they're referred to as both a boy and a girl, are all there. So her four kids. And then oldest daughter Martha comes home from work before her dad and Tiny Tim arrive from church. Uh, but so there are six Cratchit children in the book. And yeah, wow. f- four of them have names, Martha, Peter, Belinda, and Tiny Tim. So Belinda and Peter are both names from the book. And then the and Martha's small- old enough to have a job. And Martha's old enough to have a job. Right. She's a teen. She's like presumably mm. close to 20. She and should have been Annie Sue. She should have been yeah. Annie Sue. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the two younger or smaller Cratchits don't, don't get names. So there you go. And that, that implies that they are younger than Tiny Tim even. You know, I think so. Cause it really does just say like the two smaller Cratchits, but Tiny Tim's not home yeah. yet. So I, I don't That's know. That's interesting. It kind of takes away somehow from Tiny Tim's smallness for him not to be the smallest and youngest of the children. You just watched the 1984 movie recently. And that's basically mm-hmm. how it goes. And that Martha comes home first. I mean, they, they show Martha arriving home. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and, and they, they have six children. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. One thing I found interesting about that is at the end, Scrooge doesn't actually deliver the goose to their house himself. He pays Correct. for it anonymously. And then he spends a long time at Fred's house. He wants to go to the party, yep. but he, he doesn't actually go to the Cratchit's house. What you found interesting about that adaptation is that it follows the book's structure. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's that's crazy because well, yeah, and we'll get to that later we'll in this movie, yeah, but exactly. I can't think of any other adaptations that don't have him going to Cratchit's house. And they usually have the same I don't think the 1951 movie does either. If I remember. Okay. That. Okay. I think that's on my list. In the Flintstones one, he doesn't go to Cratchit's house because he goes to Craggit's <laughs> house. Ah. You can write that down. Yeah. That, yeah. that smirk on your face right before you said Craggit. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so good. All right. Okay. I'm done. I'm Great. done, though. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Becca, as you know, we like to ask our guests um, questions, which I should know because we ask them all the time. Here they are in front of me now. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? That's the first question. We'll start with that. So I don't know when the first time I saw this movie was, and that's not, you know, so I was born a year before this movie came out. I'm, I'm younger than you two, Uh but um, it wasn't really a fixture of our, of our house when I was growing up. Uh, Maybe in part because, we don't celebrate Christmas, but also maybe just because, I don't know, it, we did watch other Muppet Christmas things like Muppet Family Christmas and stuff like that. Sure. And it just wasn't a huge fixture. My dad loved the soundtrack and we would listen to the soundtrack a lot, but it wasn't something that I watched much. Really, my, my childhood memories of it largely come from that trailer that you guys have talked about that aired before, um, like, Muppet classic theater and oh, yeah. uh, and things like that uh that i definitely watched more um 
I started to watch it more often comparatively recently, like towards the end of high school was when I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to watch Muppet Christmas Carol. We had it on VHS, you know, and, and I bought the DVD when it came out. And at that point, to kind of get into your, your next question, uh, which I know you're going to ask, but like, I realized yes. that I really liked this movie a lot. And in high school, I became very obsessed with the soundtrack for no adequately explained reason mm. other than that. It's, it's really good. good. Yeah. But like, I would listen to it year round, uh, not just at Christmas. And I watched the movie more and more. And what I, what I used to say is that this was, I used to say this wasn't the best Muppet movie, but this was the best Muppet movie in the sense <laughs> that this is the movie that I think is made the best yeah. in terms of things like direction and set design as and, a technical achievement. Yeah. Makes, yeah. Makes sense. Make that case. yeah. And I would now argue, and this is, this is part of my hot take. I think I've kind of settled that this is my favorite Muppet movie. Okay. And Great. part of why that's the case is, you know, kind of to go back to what I was talking about last week with, with, you know, Brule and Wander and, part of what I was talking about this week with like the little houses. I really like that. This is a movie about a world that Muppets live in and that Muppets live in with people. Yeah. And I think that that's something that was always kind of implied was the case, but that we, we didn't ever see a lot of, you know, it was always with the other Muppet movies, you know, like the Muppet movie, it's people everywhere. And then like one Muppet, it's like everyone at the fair is a person except Miss Piggy. Right. 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 Yeah. You yeah. know, ev everyone, everyone at the, you know, Steve Martin is the waiter, but Rolf plays the piano. You know, this movie presents a world that I find so interesting where it's like at Fred's party, there's Fred and Clara who are humans and one human and Wander McMooch and a dog <laughs> yeah, it's it's and more two pigs. It's it's this really interesting interesting idea and setup that I like. And I think like Fraggle Rock, there's such a sense of like we are building a world where things are always going on whether or not they're at the center of the frame. And again, like in the yeah. Muppet movie or the Muppets Take Manhattan or or Great Muppet Caper, which again, fabulous movies. Like <laughs> don't 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 get me wrong here but like what's going on is in the center of the frame you know the muppets are in the center of the frame and then there's people walking around behind them in this there's like there's there's what's going on but then like you see you know oh droop is peeking out of a window or like oh you know there there's you know look at that it's 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 george the janitor walking by Right. And <laughs> yeah. there's there's that sense of that that again is very Fraggle Rock in in nature, with hmm. like oh they're just walking through the cave and there's little you know cave creatures in every little around. nook and cranny there's there's some kind of Muppet and you know it's one of these things that is part of why going back and and rewatching like first three movies are so so impeccable that you know. I don't let that make me think that they're bad movies. 
but when you go back and watch, you know, Muppets 11 or, um, or Muppets Most Wanted, that's one thing that really bothers me is that they have the potential you would think to do this and they're, they're not, you know, like you see, you see, you know, like the, the, we're doing a sequel song and yeah, Andy and Randy Pig are up on the rafters at one point, but like there's a whole <laughs> crowd of dancers and none of them are Muppets. Mm. Like, what are we doing here? Like <laughs> we we want to see we we should want to see this world in this this setup. So I love that sense of this movie. And I love the really creative things that Brian Henson does with camera angles. And with with staging and and setting and not necessarily doing everything like on the Muppet Show on TV where everything is just straight ahead, straight on, right. looking at the Muppets. I, I told you guys I had too much to say about this. No, this um, is great. It's great. Um, and it's it stinks that I don't think Brian Henson, you know, again, he didn't direct that many other movies, but I don't think he ever really succeeded at doing this kind of stuff again, even in Treasure Island, hmm. let alone in um, the Happy Time <clears throat> murders. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> but, but I ultimately, what I've been thinking about more and more while listening to your podcast and what I scream in my car when I drive to work at <laughs> 630 in the morning and I your your episode drops and I, you know make sure that it's queued up so it starts as soon as your episode drops. <laughs> what I'm realizing, and it's so interesting, because Anthony and Ryan, you guys are, of all of our Tough Pigs writers, I feel like you two are the two biggest fans of the Jim Henson Hour. Yes. And I think that's probably accurate. I think we might be the world's two biggest fans of the Jim <laughs> Henson Hour. Us, us and Grant, mm-hmm. our, our friend Grant is the third one. Yeah. And my argument is that this movie is the Jim Henson Hour movie. Oh. I I mean, people have said, like, oh, Muppets from Space is the Muppets Tonight movie. Yeah. But if you think about all of the things that the Jim Henson Hour was trying to do, um, things like adaptations of classic stories. Oh, yeah. Things like ambitious sets and puppet designs that didn't always look like the Muppets we know, you know, things like the, the Omni Gorgon. I know I got his name wrong. Ultra Gorgon. uh, Ultra Gorgon. From the Monster Maker episode of the Jim Henson Mm -hmm, Hour. mm -hmm. Things like that. Things like putting sort of aside the old characters, you know, we didn't get as much Fozzie or Piggy because we were focusing a little more on, the mood or the tone of things rather than like just like, Oh, you know, our same old Frank Oz jokes and things like that, allowing sort of like this sense of world building. And this was part of why I finally went through and watched dog city because dog city also does this kind of thing. These like, again, this we are constructing a city and there's always something going on in the background. And there's like jokes written on on the wall, you know, and things like that. It it truly feels, and you know, Brian Henson obviously worked on Storyteller a lot and things like that, but in a weird way, and obviously no one can say what Jim Henson would have done, right? And it's it's tragic. He he left us too soon. 
But in a weird way, it kind of feels like Muppet Christmas Carol is what we were heading towards hmm. with the Jim Henson Hour. You know, he he feels like in the Jim Henson Hour. This is my hottest take. I'm <laughs> this is great. It's no. This is this is a wonderful take. This is. It feels like in the Jim Henson Hour, and a lot has been said about how. Jim Henson was kind of getting a little tired of just being associated with the Muppets. Right. Right. And I think you see this movie and one of the complaints that you hear people make sometimes is like, oh, there aren't enough Muppets in it. Right. The Muppets aren't around enough. It isn't about our friends, Miss Piggy and Fozzie. And like, you know, why, why are we spending so much time with these humans and why why are these ghosts these new weird funny looking puppets that's what the jim henson hour was yeah. was like a little bit of kermit and a little bit of bean bunny and maybe fozzy would have one quick joke and then jim henson really wanted to show you the ultra gorgon <laughs> or really wanted to tell you a, a literary adaptation of you know the soldier and death and like that's what we have here in the muppet christmas carol <laughs> you're right is it really is like an hour and 29 minute long version of the jim henson hour in a weird way and I really, I really admire in the same way that I, the Jim Henson hour isn't always perfect. I hate to tell you this. I hate to tell you. No, I I think, I think we both know that. I I don't think either of us uh, believe it to be flawless. But (laughs) I, I admire the level of ambition and the level of creativity and the level of like, we're trying to mix together all of these different ideas about what puppets can be and what stories can be. And I think that this movie is really trying to do those same kind of things where it's like, what can puppets do? What, what, what does it mean to be a Muppet production in a way that I think really only this and the Jim Henson hour really grapple with. And then after that, they fall back a lot on like, we're going to try to do the Muppet show again. And you know, that's what like Muppets, 2011 and Muppets Most Wanted are. And that's and what really and that's what Muppets Tonight is, frankly. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see what would have happened if we kept trying to take it in this direction where it's like Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo are just pieces of this larger creative whole. Because that's what we're seeing here and that's what we were seeing on the on the Jim Henson hour and in Dog City where Rolf is not the main character. He's just a piece of this this larger story about yeah. new characters and new, more ambitious puppetry techniques and 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 stuff like that. And sometimes there's an ultra gorgon who <laughs> I call the Omni Gorgon, which doesn't even make sense. That, that like, makes us this, about as much sense as the Ultra Gorgon. <laughs> this has been the hot take that's been gestating in my head wow. uh, this entire time. Well, well, I'm for it. Yes, it's fascinating. But I'm just wondering, do you do you think there's a version of Muppet Treasure Island that could have continued that uh, that direction, or maybe could there have been another literary adaptation instead that would have been a better choice for that continuing that direction? 
I do think Treasure Island is a bit of a misstep. It's my least favorite of the Muppet movies, and we will, I'm sure I will talk about that in a year um, with you guys, but it's my least favorite. I think part of the problem with Treasure Island is the need for a Jim Hawkins, and that <laughs> is the weakest part of Muppet Treasure Island, and the part that doesn't quite work, because you can't cast an all-star actor like Michael Caine in that central role but you also can't cast a Muppet in that role. right? So you're left in the position that we wound up being. I have other opinions about why Muppet Treasure Island doesn't work as well as this. And I think it really is that the scope is more ambitious than they have the ability to create Hmm. that because Muppet Christmas Carol all takes place on like three city blocks. True. True. It's a little different than trying to shoot scenes on a boat or on a fake tropical island yeah. that they sort of force themselves to not take as big swings, huh. but we'll get to that you, next. Yeah. Year. Well, We've although now you have here. me wondering like, ah, oh, man, should they have tried something even more ambitious? Like, like Muppet Greek myths or I don't know, some kind I mean, of like weird. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to say. Fantasy. You know, Jim Henson would have. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I don't think Jim Henson wanted to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. No, that's true. Yeah. I think that's what the Henson Hour is about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. So well, anyway, that's, that's, that's my, all that's fascinating. My long, hot, that's my long, hot take. Um, but oh. yeah, it's my favorite Muppet movie. I'm willing to say that. Great. Wow. Well, yeah, thank you for that Christmas present. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that was all the three questions. Oh, do you watch it every year at Christmas? That's the other. Yes. At, at the holidays. Yeah, great. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yes. I actually closed my notes because I got so caught up in that. Hold on. <laughs> All right. Then with that, we can wrap things up for this week. Uh, listeners, please make sure you check out toughpigs.com everywhere on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, we think so far. Hive, assuming this Hive thing works out. Uh, we want to thank Morgan Davy for our logo. We're on Patreon. You can support us there. We would appreciate that very much. Um, you can go to our Tee Public store. Also, we have some cool t-shirts a lot of those are really like the people are loving some of the the new well new as of this recording but some of the uh great muppet caper inspired muppet Sig manhattan inspired a bunch of new designs i designed the grover one the grover one oh. still our 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 most popular t-shirt the uh so we should, you're talking about says, the the monster you wish to mm-hmm. see at the end of this book correct yeah yeah, people love that one. And if anyone is listening and you would like to own a t-shirt that says be the monster you wish to see at the end of this book in in a cartoon uh word balloon style impeccably recreating the style of the monster at the end of this book designed by Becca, then you should go to the Tough Pigs Tea Public Store and get one of those. And you can also email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. Let us know what's on your mind about these episodes, this movie. As of this recording, I am still on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. I'm also on Hive at me, Ryan Rowe. Uh, I'm also on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. Anthony is on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow us there. Uh, Anthony, I believe you're also on Hive at Zeppo Marxist. You might Zeppo be posting Marxist, stuff there. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. And Becca, remind us where people can find you and or your stuff on the internet. Yeah. uh, So best place to find me is, of course, Tough Pigs. Uh, I write articles. I do art for that. I design a Grover t-shirt. I, um, and of course, I host Hubba Wa, uh, a quiz show podcast. 
Uh, seasons one and two are out. Uh, season three will come eventually. I, uh, I just don't know when, um, but I'm excited for it. Uh, you can find I'm on so many. I'm all over the place on the internet. Um, Tough pigs, all the major sites, Goodreads, the New York Times <laughs> crossword app, Pokemon nice. Go. Just look <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but um, the easiest place currently to find me is Twitter at uh, Uncle Petunio. Uncle, like the kind of person who would have a nephew, Robin. And then Petunio, which is like the flower, except with an O instead of an A. Uh, it's probably the easiest place to find me. And uh, I'll have links to other stuff there as well. Very good. Everyone should seek all those things out. And uh, listeners, as a reminder, we love positive reviews online. I've noticed a couple of recent-ish ones on uh, Apple Podcasts. So keep them coming. We love that. And please tell everyone about the show, including your twin daughters, whom you can't tell apart. And join us next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. See you then. Hoo, hoo, ha, hoo, hot, 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 hot. <laughs>